Welcome to Soul Speak. I'm Meg Michelson. Thanks for joining me this week. If you're new, I appreciate that you are taking a risk here. And if you want to go back and listen to some of the other episodes, because I build on them, and also I'll refer back to some of them, feel free to go back and start with episode one. And for those of you returning, I appreciate you coming back. Thank you. And before I start, I just want to do a shout out to Barbara Steffen. She's a dear friend and a very talented musician. That's her voice that you're hearing at the beginning and the end. And if you're interested, click on her link. This week, we're going to talk about emotional unavailability and what does that mean? You know, we've all heard that word. I want to delve a little deeper into it because sometimes we don't even realize when we're being emotionally unavailable. So emotional unavailability. Like I said, we've all heard that. And what does that mean? How does that personally affect us? And how can we shift from it? When we say someone's emotionally unavailable, that means that they are not connecting emotionally with you, oftentimes even with themselves. Because if someone's emotionally unavailable, they're really not tuned into their own emotions. They're not necessarily comfortable with their own emotions. They're not necessarily comfortable sharing their emotions with others or being present or even responsive to someone else's emotions, however, also their own emotions. And and we're humans. We are all going to have times where we are on this emotional roller coaster of sometimes we're more emotionally available and sometimes we're not. But ideally, as we're expanding and growing our our consciousness and becoming more awake, we can recognize it sooner. We can start to understand, wow, I wasn't even emotionally present to myself. So how can I be to somebody else? It's a spectrum. We can give too much to others and not receive, not ask. That's an emotional unavailability. And that is just as damaging to ourselves and others as it is when someone holds us out. So learning that beautiful balance of giving and receiving, understanding what we want, understanding what our emotional needs are, and that it's actually okay to have them. It's a lifelong learning. So we get to be easy on ourselves and kind to ourselves because that's becoming more emotionally available. So one way is to, to identify, we'll go over a few ways to how we identify when we are or are not. Empathy. Can we empathize with somebody else? Not pity, but when someone's telling us a story or a problem or an issue, if we're not emotionally present, we might just be listening to the words, but then also thinking about what's going on in our own life. Or we are ready to solve it, or we're feeling impatient with it. However, when we're in empathy, we can understand what they're saying. We can feel it. And then we might have a healthier response as long as we're not going to go into fixing or trying to solve the problem. Sometimes people just want us to understand. So if we're not in empathy, we might be hearing the words, but we're not allowing the feelings. A woman I work with, her mom is um, in the later stages of life and selling the condo that she's been in and And she was referring that, she was telling me the story because she was feeling upset about how to handle this. She was telling someone about it and that it was making her really sad. And that person looked at her 
and then said, okay, and then we have to do blah, 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 and went right on with the schedule of the day. And she felt really hurt. That would have been a good time for her to step forward with emotional availability and say what my needs are. Hey, can we just pause for a second and go back? Because I just feel really sad about this and I'm not going to ask you to fix it, but I just would like to have you understand maybe I'm not at my best game right now because I'm sad about my mom. That's a good way to express and we can create it with practice over and over where it becomes more comfortable because it's not always comfortable to express ourselves on an emotional need level. And that goes back, of course, to how we were raised and how we have dealt with our life and who the people are in our life. It's a big melding pot of our history that can always be healed. There is a a couple I work with, and they are not always honest with their feelings. They both go into hardening in their heart, not empathizing. So the woman is more prone in this couplehood, the woman is more prone to be more in tune with her emotions. And she's been so upset with her husband over the years because he's not showing he's in tune with his emotions. So she'll want him to understand. She'll want sometimes to be held. And instead of saying that, if he's not present to her emotions, she'll just be crabby or snappy. Or she'll just turn and say, fine, and walk away. And again, that's emotional unavailability on both of their parts, not just one. We want to be honest. We want to tune into what am I feeling when this just happened? And that takes a breath. That takes a moment. It's not always quick because we have layers. So if we breathe before we react, which I've talked about in multiple episodes, breathe before we react, it's easier for us to say, wait, what's going on here? What am I feeling? What am I feeling in my chest? How tight am I in my jaw right now in my neck? Why aren't I pausing and asking for what I need? Why am I using anger to mask my emotional needs? And that's part of that emotional unavailability. We're staying in our mind. We're staying in our thoughts from our history. What would it felt like instead of getting angry, holding the jaw, What would have it looked like instead to use your voice? It's never too late. It's never too late even to come back in a half hour or the next day. Instead of shaming the other person or feeling small ourselves or attacking, wait a minute. What if I say, hey, can we pull back a minute? And now I'm going to speak from my heart instead of expecting somebody to read my mind. Gosh, life would be easy if everyone could just read our minds, although that's kind of dangerous too, isn't it? So you feel the strain and the tightness in your throat, and you've been working on that. So now we can let go and surrender. Surrender. That throat, our voice, our neck, much healthier when we allow ourselves to surrender and then take the healthy action step. So both people in any relationship can create a new pattern, both people. It takes two people to create an emotionally healthy relationship, not just one. And going back to, we want to understand what it is we want and need. And that takes a moment of stillness. And that takes a lot of practice over and over again. 
So the more we allow ourselves to go into that stillness and discover what we want, it becomes easier to express it. So becoming emotionally available to ourselves, that's key. And again, that usually comes through humans as what's not working and what we don't want. We learn a lot from what we don't want. Pay attention to when you're focused on a lot of what you don't want, and we can sway that into what what is it that I want? So I'm recognizing what I don't want. How do I want this to be within me? How do I become more emotionally available to myself? What do I see in other people? And what friends of mine, what family are more emotionally available? How does that look? So opening our eyes in that way really helps us. Another way emotional unavailability can creep up is with defensiveness. So there's a woman I was working with recently. This gal was telling her friend how she had been hurt because her friend wasn't there for her. The friend got angry and attacked and said, well, you did this, 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 this. Became very defensive. And then my friend, and I'll just call her Lisa, Lisa then became defensive herself. But she didn't project it outward. She started to feel small. So when we're being defensive, we're also not emotionally available. And we can do that with anybody. And some people it's going to be harder to be emotionally available with. And then we learn to be emotionally available to ourselves so we can bring that everywhere. You know, that same person is struggling with her family of origin. She doesn't always feel accepted by her family of origin. She might not. She might never have that click. Just like we have some people we click better with than others. And so she can feel defensive and blame it on them. That's what we can do when we're defensive. We can throw blame. Or we can say, well, this is what I can get from that, but I can also create a new tribe. That one family of origin or that one friend or my one partner can't provide all of my needs. So I can focus on that and become more defensive and feel more small. Or I can say, wait a minute, what are the good things coming from there? And where else am I needing this? So maybe it's time to create another tribe. You know, we can have a tribe in many ways. Tribe is our family of origin. Our tribe is our family we live with now. If you're a, in a marriage or couplehood living together or kids, you know, all of that is a tribe. And then also a tribe is a club. Maybe you're in tennis and you have that tribe or you're starting to garden with people or hike with people. That's another tribe. So we have more than one tribe, hopefully, because we have different needs. And ideally, we want to learn to be the same person which, with all people, emotionally available with all people. Otherwise, we're running this back and forth game and we're not being authentic. And we can still love the people that we are not completely emotionally connected with as long as we want to. And then having our needs met by other people as well. So going back to defensiveness a minute. When we are defensive, we are protecting our heart. And we can do that, but we want to work through it. So then allowing ourselves, ooh, I'm feeling defensive. What's underneath that? What is this person triggering in me? Do I want to stay in this? 
and just either attack back or feel small or be angry? Or do I want to pause and say, what's my history with this? What's it triggering? And what do I really want here? And again, that takes practice and it takes stillness. Another way we can be emotionally unavailable is staying too busy. There is a woman I knew a long time ago, and she was busy all the time. I would watch her marriage, and they had a lot of fun together, and yet they didn't have an emotional availability. They didn't have it with their children either. It was an odd thing to watch, to have a family that's all functioning. They're all busy. They all seem successful, and yet none of them were emotionally available with each other. They'd criticize each other. They'd poke fun at each other. But none of them were safe enough with each other to really share what they needed or wanted. So that busyness, avoiding eye contact. How busy are we? How often are we not making eye contact with somebody? Why? Eye contact is a window to our soul. You stare at someone long enough, somebody always blinks. Why is that? Because it's very vulnerable to let somebody in your eyes. It's very vulnerable. And the more we work on our emotional availability to ourself, the easier it is to make longer eye contact. Because then we're not hiding anything. But, you know, we don't have to do that with everybody, of course. Make eye contact that long. Because that is the window to our soul. So when we start making eye contact... It allows us to get in the body. It allows us to rest. It allows us to be working from the heart space, not just the head space. And now we can empathize. The the eyes are beautiful. And when we work with, there's a man I know that works with eye contact with people, presencing, just beautiful work as a therapist. That helps people stop avoiding. That helps people stop being so busy. I was at my office and I was, sometimes when I'm at my office, I have home office and then I have a physical office outside of my home. And when I'm at my physical office outside of my home, I tend to have more demands. I tend to be busier because I'm running multiple things there. And he was talking to me and he said, can you slow down a minute? And I was in my doing. I wasn't avoiding, I was doing, and he wanted my attention. And then he held my hand a minute. And wow, did that make a difference? Staring in my eyes, holding my hand. I completely shifted. I'm like, whew. Eye contact is very powerful. So notice that about yourself. How often are you making eye contact without, gotta go, diverting my eyes. I'm gonna look that way, I'm gonna look that way. Beautiful way for you to check in with your emotional availability. Another way is providing for others, but not willing to ask for what we need. A young man I started working with recently, he loves helping people. He feels safe when he's needed. He'll do anything for anybody. And when I asked him, and how do you do with receiving help? Do you ever ask for help? His reply, nope, not if I can help it. Yet he wants people to ask him for help because it helps him feel more needed, which makes him feel safer, which makes him feel like he may not, maybe won't be abandoned. However, 
he doesn't feel safe enough with himself, with his own connection to himself, to be safe enough to be asking for help from others. So that's another form of emotional unavailability, not feeling safe enough to ask for what we need. I can help and help and help all day, but man, it's uncomfortable to ask. And it will be uncomfortable to ask, absolutely. It becomes more comfortable the more we get out of the head, let the jaw rest, let the shoulders soften. Taking that physical action step of breathing and releasing, surrendering. And it's still a little scary. The more we do that, the more we practice it, the easier it becomes to ask for what we need. Instead of holding it and then being angry and resentful because no one's providing what we need. So it it is a process, remember. All of these big changes to become more awake and more connected to our soul is a process. The universe is always going to deliver what we need in whatever energetic level we are in. So we're going to bring in people that will challenge us. We're going to bring in people that might be emotionally unavailable. Why? Because it provides enough discomfort, hopefully, to get us to start to see the truth. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just continue to bring in that same emotionally unavailable person and we wonder why over and over and over again, in friends, in romantic partners, in workmates. Why? Because we're not learning how to be emotionally available in healthy ways. Emotional availability doesn't mean I have to fall on the ground in a puddle of tears. It means, am I being present to how I feel? And am I willing to learn to respect myself enough to start to share how I feel, to start to ask for what I need. And then the universe can start to respond in kind. The universe can start to bring in people that will match that. So watch who is around you and notice we can blame them all day long. But what's my part in that? What energy am I sending out there to bring this kind of person in over and over and over again? Another way we can be emotionally unavailable is rejecting help. So we're not comfortable asking for it, right? That's one way. Another way is when someone offers, we say, nope, nope, I got it. I'm fine. I'm good. Here, let me help you with that. And then we might say, sure, and I'll help you with that. Nope, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm going to just keep rejecting it. Years ago, when I was studying in Chicago under a great teacher named Carolyn Mace, my um, one of my dearest friends and roommates um, at, at these conferences had a very sore shoulder at one point and we're walking through the airport and she was saying how much her shoulder hurt. I had checked my luggage, so I only had a small carry on. So I said, well, let me get your suitcase. No, 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 I'm good. And I burst out laughing I'm like, no, you're not. You're in so much pain. Let me get your suitcase. She had, she's grown leaps and bounds now. She's an amazing woman, still one of my dearest friends. And it took her a while to understand that strengthens us to be emotionally vulnerable. That strengthens us to say, yeah, my shoulder's hurting. It's killing my arm to hold this suitcase. And my friend is asking if she can have it, if she can carry it for me. 
So I get to say yes. I get to say yes. And now we just opened up our world. Now we raised our vibration. Now more goodness will come in. It all works hand in hand. Another person I know, great guy, and he's got sore shoulder. Why do we have sore shoulders when we are emotionally unavailable? Oftentimes that goes hand in hand because we reject help. We're doing too much on our own. You know, back to one of the episodes where I talked about more of the body parts. Our shoulders are connected to doing too much, doing too much. So, of course, we're going to have sore shoulders if we reject help. That's that pattern. And over time, that pattern becomes more dense and now we have an injury. Same thing. So his shoulder was really hurting and he would not go in for help because he's too busy, too busy, too busy. And now that starts to keep people out. So rejecting help. Do you need help getting that done? Nope, I got it. I got it. And at that same vein, check in with your chest. How does your chest feel when you're rejecting help? Do you feel a tightness there? Do you let people love you? Or do you tend to feel like I don't really want to be hurt, so I'm going to keep people arm's distance away? Rejecting help. Why and where have we been taught that we cannot be tender with ourselves? When did this happen that we have been taught or that we have thought, you know, taught ourselves by life experience that self-care is selfish? That self-care, physical self-care, is connected to emotional self-care. And it's important. It's necessary. Our bodies need it because then we connect deeper with our soul because we're not running tight and rigid. The tighter and the more rigid we are, the more we are holding out that beautiful connection that our soul is here to provide us with. When did we learn that we need to push ourselves to the point where we have physical pain and we keep pushing and not receive care, not even from people that love us? But yet we want them to sometimes, and maybe we'll end up being resentful. But man, it's scary to say, I really need your help. I can fix your things, but I cannot need emotional tenderness from you. Why? Because on some level, we're holding that pain in because we just don't trust. We don't trust that we're going to be okay. We don't trust that we're not going to be hurt. We don't trust that someone's not going to leave us. We don't trust that it is safe to ask for what we need. And the more we do that, the more the universe provides that. People treat us how we treat ourselves. That is true. Because everything is an energetic mirror. Everything is whatever's going on inside of us is what we are sending out to the universe. And our soul's always trying to knock on our head. Let me in, let me in. But sometimes it feels safer to keep that door shut and locked instead of opening it up, surrendering. Because what will happen if we acknowledge that we need? What's going to happen if we become soft enough to say, yeah, I'm really hurting. Can you do this for me? Are we afraid we're going to become too weak? Are we afraid we're going to start crying and never stop? I can do this and I'll keep pushing myself hard. I can do this. I got this. That doesn't work long term. 
we're angry, resentful, our body is in pain, and we end up feeling lonely because we're not letting people in because we are being emotionally unavailable. And then we bring in more emotionally unavailable people and our whole tribe or those important in our tribe are emotionally unavailable. Some of them might want to be, but we don't let them. So be mindful of that. Where are we on that spectrum? How authentic am I being? I do need self-care. I do need people I trust that can hear me when I'm in pain. And we can start that easier when we start taking care of our physical self. The more we allow ourselves to take care of our physical self, the easier it is to take care of our emotional self. And I'm talking in healthy ways. So, for instance, when I'm working with people, I ask them to, that are really feeling like they hold people out, first surrender into the physical chair. Feel your feet on the ground, feel your glutes on the chair or the couch, and have something behind your neck and head so you can really sit back. Surrender and relax. Or if you're standing, take the breath, inhale through the nose, down the throat, down the spine, until you physically relax. And now we've softened. And then it's easier to work with our emotions. Because all of this can be so subtle. We might not even realize that we're hiding and hardening our hearts. So we're going to do an exercise. We're going to try to soften our hearts for a moment. And we can do it any day throughout the day. This is another, right? This is free. It's free to take a breath and soften our hearts. Sometimes it helps to go back and look at our history and work with someone in that realm to see where we harden our hearts. But sometimes that's not necessary. Sometimes it's okay to say whatever the history was, right now I'm ready to move forward. Everybody's a little different. So learning to trust yourself starts with learning to breathe properly and that you're actually safe. You're actually where you're supposed to be. You got yourself and you can bring in people that will work with you. So we're going to reset our breath. The more we reset our breath, the easier it is to stay in present moment. Because remember, if we continue to stay in our thoughts, stay in the history, stay in our woundedness, we are holding out the possibility of all the changes that can come from our future, from our present. So our body's always going to tell us, remember, jaw, neck, shoulders. And then we go back into the rabbit hole of the stories and we go into catastrophic thinking or stress thinking when the reality is so much less painful. So take a moment and inhale through the nose, down the throat, down the spine, hip to hip, letting the belly, the sides, the back expand. And if you're willing, as you're continuing to inhale, slow and easy, maybe a five second inhale where you really can feel the body expand, then pause. And exhale with a surrender, out the mouth. Nice and easy. With the next one, put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. And let yourself feel your feelings, whatever they are. I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm hurt, I'm holding a lot of grief. Acknowledge whatever you're feeling. And then release it with that exhale. 
Inhale, feel, exhale, release. Sometimes it's going to take you 30 seconds. Sometimes it might take multiple minutes. The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. Take time to let yourself feel. And then we learn the action steps to shift out of that feeling into something that's healthier. I'm Meg Michelson. Thank you for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you and being with you next week. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me. If you want to learn more about me, services I offer, who I am, please check out my website, megmichelson.com. Also there, you can join my newsletter. I do a, the best job I can to send it out monthly, no guarantees. Follow me on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks again for coming. I'll see you next time.